It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Celtics picked up two wins over the weekend, and apparently the bubonic plague is rolling through the Celtics locker room. It's the Monday Locked On Celtics Podcast. Millies, let's go! Rainy Jays back with the vengeance back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This is the truth like 34. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily. Mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global, but it got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, that's the best way. Melly's. Happy Monday, first full week of 2020, back to reality. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you have to get back to uh, this reality of work week and all of that stuff, but I'm John Corrales. I'm here to help you out, get you through this week, get you off uh, on the right foot here. Uh, The Celtics won two games over the weekend, Friday, Saturday, over Atlanta and Chicago. They play the Washington Wizards here Monday night. And their crazy January schedule rolls on. First off, thank you for making this show part of your daily routine. It's a new year, and I'm just happy that this is still part of your whatever you're doing at this moment. If you're going to work, the gym, and all of that stuff. New listeners, if you're new to the show, want to thank you for sampling. Maybe, maybe you're a Patriots fan. Welcome aboard, Patriots fans who now have to focus on another sport. Maybe you want to check out Lockdown Bruins. There's a Bruins podcast. If you want to, if you want to hear the aftermath of the Patriots, what happens with Tom Brady? There's a Lockdown Patriots. Uh, but if you are coming over from Lockdown Patriots, you want to check out what's going on with the Celtics. Welcome aboard. Subscribe to the show wherever podcasts are available. Hope you enjoy that. Again, I'm John Corrales. I cover the Boston Celtics for MassLive.com. I'm a beat writer. I'm a former basketball player. So hopefully you enjoy a unique perspective on this team. The Celtics are dealing with illness now. Kemba Walker missed two games, the Hawks and Chicago game, and he is not playing against the Washington Wizards. Now, you might be tempted to say, oh, well, this is perfect. You just, you know, he's quote unquote sick, air quotes, and you get him to rest for a few days and, and you start you get him back at home against San Antonio on Wednesday, and then you really get him rested and and back in rhythm for the Thursday game in Philly. Except, it's I don't think it's air quotes. I think that this is a just the thing that's going through the Celtics, and frankly, it's going through everybody. Like reporters, I missed the practice last week. I missed the practice and shoot around on Friday. Because I was sick, and I think it had to be related to what was going on there. Lots of people are sick around the Celtics. And yes, to answer some of your tweets, there's Purell everywhere. So it's just the thing. Like, there's the illness is going around, different people are getting it, and, and it's just something that these guys just have to deal with. Jalen Brown, I saw Jalen Brown uh, in the Hawks game blowing his nose in the sideline. Like, he's still dealing with the remnants of that sinus infection. Uh, So Marcus Smart's still not back fully from his 
uh, eye infection. He's still kind of dealing with the aftermath of that. And now Romeo Langford's questionable for the Washington game. So all sorts of just craziness with the Celtics and this sickness bug that's rolling through the entire locker room. I don't know what can be done about it. I mean, short of just sanitizing everything top to bottom every day, which is impossible to do. You've got 15 players, coaches, whatever, dozens of people in a confined space going all over together. People go home. They've got kids. The kids are in school or the kids are in daycare. The the sickness just makes its way in somehow. People might be contagious before they even realize that they're contagious. And all these people are bringing, you know, the kids are sick. They come home, whatever. They go to work. And how many of you do it? You kids, kids are cold, got a cold. Kids got the flu. Yeah, I got to go to work. Same thing for these guys. Got to go to work. And they just happen to be in a confined space in a locker room, slamming up against each other in practice through drills, guarding each other. It's just, oh God, it's, it's insane. One of these guys, I mean, I don't know. I I don't even want to finish that thought. It's these guys are just sick and hopefully they can get better and healthy. Luckily, the two games were Atlanta and Chicago, and this is Washington. San Antonio is going to be a tougher challenge. Philly, obviously, they're looking for their first win against Philly. That's going to be a big test. Philly hasn't been playing well. This is an opportunity for the Celtics, hopefully to be at full strength, to go into Philly and maybe prove something against the Sixers. Everybody's talking about the you know potential trades and I mentioned last week Andre Drummond. It's funny. I mentioned Andre Drummond. I said, if somebody brings up Andre Drummond, I want to punch you in the face. And then it was rumors linking the Celtics to Andre Drummond. Uh, interest, registering interest in Andre Drummond. And uh, no, thank you. No, thank you in in that regard. I've already said it. I'm not going to repeat myself too much here, but no thanks. So they got to go into Philly on Thursday and prove a little bit of something. Now let's work backwards. Friday, uh, Saturday, they played against the Chicago Bulls. That was uh, an interesting game. They came out slow. Uh, they gave up a ton of baskets to Zach Levine, but they ended up coming back and they looked like they were going to cruise. They they turned it on, and in the fourth quarter, they they started to pull away and they pulling away in transition and they were up something like 16 or 18. I think it was 16, uh, with just about 10 minutes left. And just when you thought it was like, all right, cool. We got this. We're going to coast to the end Chicago, boom, 13 0 run. And then all of a sudden the, the Celtics stepped up and Chicago didn't score for like four minutes. So, uh, the Celtics did just enough on a back to back to, to get that win Chicago was favored in that game. So if you're looking back at that and you say, oh God, I can't believe that it took all of that to win this game. You know, when it came down that uh, Kemba wasn't playing, the Bulls actually ended up favored going into that game. So there, it wasn't a gimme for the Celtics. It's not like they walked in there favored by 20. So that was... A decent win. Chicago, obviously, you look at the way they were playing. They are probably a little bit better than the record shows. Um, 
just because they, they have the talent and they, they play well enough for stretches that you can see if they put it all together, they'll be better. Remember before the season team, you know, people were saying like Chicago's a team to kind of watch out for. And you could see a little bit. Now they've had their, their issues for sure, but you can see a little bit of like, all right, you know, a couple things here, this, you know, forget this lapse and play through certain things that uh, they, they kind of like quit on in this game. You could see like, if they just put that full 48 together, they, they would have won that game, but the Celtics kept uh, the pressure on and ended up winning. Uh, some other notes there. Obviously, the big note there is from is Jason Tatum's bounce back. The big the big game for him. He shot 12 of 15, 28 points in 36 minutes. That follows up a, a terrible two of 16 performance against the Atlanta Hawks, which I'll talk about later. But you put those two games together, and he shot like 46 percent over the course of the two games. But that game, this game alone, uh, he ends up shooting 80% and scores 28 points. People are going to want to say, well, why can't he be more consistent? Well, he's a third-year player. So we we do want the consistency. We do, obviously. We'd rather see him have fewer big, wild swings with the shooting. All right, that like I'm not going to pretend that that's not a problem, but it's also something that is correctable, and you, you can see that every time he has a bad game or two, he follows it up with some good games. So just working backwards, he, he followed up the Atlanta game with a good game against Chicago. He had a bad game uh, against Toronto, but then he followed up with a good game in Charlotte where he shot 10 of 18 and had 24 points. Uh, He had a bad night in Toronto on Christmas Day, 11 points on 5 of 18 shooting, and then he followed it up with a a win, uh, 30 points in the win over Cleveland on 11 of 20 shooting. So he has these bounce backs. Even like you go back to at Indy and then against Philly, where he had a couple of bad games, and then at Dallas was not a great shooting night. Then he follows it up with a couple of nights where he hits 10 of 17 and 15 of 29. So point is, yes, he has games where he's really struggling. And a lot of it has to do with his finishing at the rim and the stuff that I've talked about many times and having to be more patient. Brad Stevens talks about, he talked about it after the Atlanta game, slowing down a little bit, being more patient, playing off of two feet, it's funny, I was I, I kind of stumbled across something I wrote about Jalen Brown last year, and I was looking at some of the clips that I used, and they look like Jason Tatum drives from this year. And you start to say, okay, like maybe they're just on on kind of a similar developmental path where Tatum is it, as Brad Stevens said, you appreciate the aggressiveness. He's attacking, he is attacking, but He's not always doing it in the best way. He's not always patient. He's not always attacking because there's an opening. Sometimes he's attacking just to attack. Now, the one good thing against Atlanta, he did get 10 free throws. So that's good. Uh, that That's how he managed to score 13 points 
while still shooting two of 16. So there's a positive there. And and at, at some point, this will hopefully click. And so I I just don't want to go too crazy about, oh my God, what's wrong with Jason Tatum? Why can't he hit layups? Like, yeah, that it's a problem. When he doesn't hit the layups, it looks bad, comically bad. But when he calms down, slows down, and plays off of two feet, you know, when you're slowing down, you can jump off of the two feet rather than just flying on in. Like that stuff, he he tends to shoot a little bit better. So he's a third year player. He's twenty one years old. You know he's going to be twenty two uh, in a couple months here. It's part of the progression. I don't think the layups that he's missing are are layups that he's going to miss forever. So I'm going to stay patient. He's still averaging twenty one points a game. He's still averaging seven rebounds. The Celtics are still in second place. So more from the game coming up against Chicago than later Atlanta and more. But uh, for now, take a break. Come back after this on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. A couple of other performances here that need to be noted from the Saturday night game against Chicago, Gordon Hayward, who had a a pretty spectacular night and was very under the radar with 24 points on 9 of 14 shooting, 2 of 4 from 3, 4 of 4 from the line, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal, did have 3 turnovers. The Celtics have been turning the ball over a lot more lately. That's something that needs to stop. Like That's just period, end of sentence, just needs to stop turning the ball over. 
Um, the, the live ball turnovers in the half court uh, have to, they need to be better about those. I don't mind some of the aggressive, trying to get the ball up in transition turnovers. That you can live with a little bit more because you're trying to push the ball and get those easy baskets. As long as you're not making stupid plays, if you're trying to be aggressive, that's fine. But in half court where they're really just trying to force the issue sometimes uh, and those live ball turnovers turnovers turn into points, they need to be better about that. But Gordon Hayward quietly had a 24-point game, and a lot of the talk afterwards was about uh, Jason Tatum. So Hayward's Hayward's play, I think, has been very stabilizing. And a, a lot of times, you know, without Kemba, they have this you know tendency to play a little bit too fast, and everybody just kind of like, all right, I, this isn't working. I'm going to go do my thing a little bit. Um, and I love Marcus Smart, and Marcus Smart has done a great job handling the offense. I think sometimes Marcus Smart gets a little too caught up in some of the emotions, and of course he's coming off of that double eye infection, so I think he's still having some issues on top of that. Uh, I think Marcus Smart's emotions definitely were a problem in the Atlanta game. Again, I'll talk about that after the break. But uh, Gordon Hayward calms things down. Gordon Hayward has this, just pull it back out. I am aware of how much time is on the shot clock. Let's just calmly run something real quick. We'll get a decent shot. Don't worry about it. Like that's that's the Gordon Hayward effect. The Gordon Hayward on the floor makes positive things happen. And in this game, he was a plus 15. So for all of the uh, you know up and down of the the game against Chicago, where they won by uh, seven. Gordon Hayward was a plus 15 and it, it felt like he was a plus 15 like that. He he was on the floor for positive things happening. He was a stabilizing force. And I think that's something that is uh, that Gordon Hayward gives the Boston Celtics and they don't have that kind of stabilizing force as much without like without Kemba for sure. The, the, you need that. And for all the people who are talking about like, well, now you got to move Gordon Hayward. Uh, you can move Gordon Hayward for Andre Drummond or something like that. Like just no, you're not trading Gordon Hayward for, especially not for a big, especially not for something like that. So let's get that talk out of your mind. Uh, the other is Jalen Brown, another quietly good game. Jalen Brown under the radar. I mean, he had 19.7 rebounds. He had four turnovers. So again, Clean that up, but 19 points, seven rebounds, three assists, seven of 13 shooting, an economy of shots. So he hit about 40, uh, 54% of his shots. He shot 60% from three, three of five, hit a couple of free throws. It's just another nice game for Jalen Brown. And Jalen was at the center of, like he did it in little bursts, and he was at the center of uh, a couple of runs where he scored uh, a few quick points was like the Celtics needed a couple of baskets and was jailing like boom, 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 six straight points. So he, it's just another example of his patience and how easy it is to just sit back, chill, not force the issue. And then all of a sudden, a couple of steals, play your defense, get out in transition. You get a couple of layups, dunk, Floater three in transition, 
Like those add up fast. So you could be not scoring much and then all of a sudden six straight points and then a few points here, a few points. So you get yourself a 19 point night, you know? <laughs> so 20 is the magical number to average, but guys can get to 20 fairly easily if they're not forcing the issue. If you can just calm down when you're as good as Jalen Brown is, those points will come. Ennis Cantor. How about Ennis Cantor? We keep talking about Ennis Cantor. He's been pretty good. He's been good. Third consecutive double-double. The first Celtic to have three straight double-doubles this year. He's averaging almost 15 points and a little bit more than 12 rebounds over the Celtics' three-game winning streak. Just, I mean, I don't know what to say. It's He is who he is. We know the defensive deficiencies. But the ability to take advantage like he did in Chicago when you got a guy that's not strong enough and he's he's trying to guard Ennis in the post, you bully your way to the basket. And it just do it until it doesn't work. Uh, there have been a lot of conversations about post play in the NBA, and it's not something that they should go to all the time. But, you know, on a second unit, when things aren't going great, and maybe a couple of guys in there are, are, are younger and the offense is a little disjointed, how many times last year did I say, with Al Horford, Sometimes you just got to get it to him in the post and let him work and just calm the offense down. Just, you know, just get into the post and just go. It's not, there's nothing wrong with the occasional post up. It's not the centerpiece of the offense. You do it. If it works, you get the right matchup. You keep doing it. And it keeps working. Then great. But it worked. And on top of the offensive rebounds, Cantor was able to get in there and and score in the post. I mean, he had 14 points, 11 rebounds in this game. He shot 6 of 11. That's what more do you want from Ennis Cantor? He didn't kill you on defense. Like he's been on the floor and the Celtics defense hasn't totally suffered. Now, it did a little bit against Atlanta, but and I'll talk about that next. But there are certain situations where obviously Ennis Cantor can't play. And I've said this before. But he hasn't been killing the Celtics on defense. Uh, not for extended periods. There will be possessions where he looks horrible. But it hasn't been extended periods for the most part. He's done well. What am I going to say? He's done well. Before I take a break, Grant Williams. Got to shout out Grant Williams because Grant has been just really good. And I thought his play against Chicago was really great. I mean, I thought that was, he had a very good game. He only shot two of four. He had five points, two rebounds, two assists. It was a plus eight, though. And that's, um, in fact, plus eight team high with Gordon Hayward. Both plus eight. Um, Grant had a couple of plays that just deserve highlighting. Uh, 
first of all, he had one where uh, the Celtics were setting up in a half court and he, he brought the ball up. They ran a horn set with two guys at the top of the key uh, at each end of the free throw line. And he brought the ball up. Now you get the ball from that point to your primary guy, which was Jason Tatum. They wanted Jason Tatum to operate from that left elbow, but you still had Grant Williams bringing the ball up. And then he had a, uh, a steal and th- that he, I think it was in the first half, a steal that he got up to Marcus Smart. Then he ran past Marcus Smart and set up in the corner and he made a three from the left corner, which, hey, by the way, Grant, since his 0 for 25 streak there from three, is shooting like 36% from three. So he's turned it around. I don't know what the whole percentage is. I, I don't have that up. I don't care. But since that, since he broke that that streak, he's shooting like 36%. So he's coming around for sure. The other play that I thought was amazing he switched on to Thaddeus Young, and this was in the third quarter against Chicago. Stayed in front of him, poked the ball free, dribbled up the floor, brought the ball up, and then threw this two-handed bounce pass perfectly, like an overhead two-handed bounce pass, perfectly to Ennis Cantor. And at that point, gave Boston their biggest lead of the game. But that was... I'm gushing about Grant Williams. He makes mistakes. And, I mean, I can sit here and talk about the mistakes that he's making. The thing about Grant Williams is he he works on the mistakes, and he's he's not repeating a lot of them. So, but this these plays that he's been making are just amazing for a rookie to come out there and play the way he has. I mean, he's not John Morant. I'm not going to say that, you know, but he's he's a very useful rookie. Um. Uh, there will be games where he's not, and there will be stretches where he's not, but he's he's shown just incredible basketball acumen, and I'm excited. He's he's just the type of player every basketball team needs. All right, now I'm going to take a break. We're going to come back, talk a little bit about that Atlanta game before I wrap up here on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. On Friday night, the Boston Celtics beat the Atlanta Hawks 109 106. They came out looking terrible. <laughs> John Collins was destroying them. They went down 32 19. And luckily, Jalen Brown at the end of the first quarter came up with a big defensive play, a big, uh, a big offense, a big basket, and then a big defensive play after that. Uh, to kind of reset things and help the Celtics kind of get their energy back and (laughs) turn things around in the second quarter. Uh, Tatum, as we said before, had a terrible game, 2 of 16 for 13 points. Jalen Brown was the star of this game, really. 8 of 13, 24 points, 7 of 10 free throws, 10 rebounds, 6 turnovers, Jalen Brown's been turning the ball over a little bit lately, okay? I'm not going to go too crazy. I think some of it is 
trying, you might be trying a little bit too hard. Uh, you might be trying to in, in certain times carry things and he's, he's just not the guy that's going to be carrying the team, uh, quite like, you know, like Jason Tatum can carry the team, uh, create his own shot a little bit better than Jalen Brown can. Jalen Brown is great at attacking, when those spots are open, I think he's better at driving than than Tatum is right now. But it's he, he. I think sometimes he tries to do a little bit too much, and he ends up getting a little sloppy with the ball. Four turnovers, turnovers against Chicago, six against Atlanta, and then you know three against Toronto, three against Cleveland, three against Toronto in, on Christmas Day. So these he's he's got a long stretch of three or more turnover games, five straight games with three or more turnovers. Uh, it one game there with two and then another three, four, five game stretch with three or more turnovers. So, so 10 out of his last 11 games, he's had at least three turnovers, uh, six in the game against Atlanta. So that's problematic, but Jalen Brown's been doing so many other things. Uh, you know, some of those turnovers are excusable. Some of them are not. And generally you're saying, okay, you got to clean that up, but you do so many other things that still helping the team tremendously. So, um, so Jalen Brown was big against the Atlanta Hawks. This is one of those games where Cantor kind of looked unplayable. They, they just destroyed him on the pick and roll, him and Collins and Collins, Took a hard fall and left the game with a, a tailbone bruise. So uh, that kind of I mean, helped the Celtics. I hate saying that because you know it's because of an injury. But look, the Celtics benefit benefited from that. And but if, if Collins had been in the game, who knows if how the Celtics would have done in this one the, with Collins and Trey Young who Lloyd Pierce says is the best pick and roll combination in the league, which is trying to pump up his guys, but they're still pretty good. Uh, they, they really kind of destroyed the Celtics and with Cantor out there, it's tough. I mean, you really got to go at, you really got to go at Trey young hard and force him to give the ball up and not be able to kind of survey things. You've got to, you've got to really try to get the ball out of his hands in those situations. Cause once he turns the corner, He's going to find somebody, or if you're not up in, in his airspace, he'll just take a long three. So Cantor really, he's not going to play like that. So he looked bad early on, but then he came in later in the game and without Collins, they didn't have that same pick and roll combination. And so Cantor looked okay. So that is a great example of when Cantor can look good and when he doesn't. And so, uh, I think, uh, Obviously, we're going to see Cantor in certain situational matchups. Uh, if if he's playing a great pick and roll team, I, I just don't know. If the Celtics play Toronto, I, I just don't know. I don't know if they're what they're going to be able to do. But anyway, doesn't matter right now um, because the Celtics were able to get past Atlanta, and and obviously with Collins hurt, they were able to to kind of recover well. Uh, they they ended up winning by three. So it was a 16 point turnaround from the first quarter to the end. Uh, but it didn't happen without a game saving block from Daniel Tice. 
Daniel Tice said, look, I knew he was going to go for the three. He wasn't going to go for the tie. He kind of had, Trey Young had Tice beat. Now, first of all, because Atlanta didn't have any timeouts, they just pushed the ball up the floor. And if they had called a timeout, uh, Tice probably wouldn't have been been in the game. But he was. He got switched on to Trey Young. And he knew Trey wasn't going to go past him. Even though he could have, and he had a lane, he wasn't going to go in for the game-tying basket. He wanted to win the game. Tice said, I knew he was going to try to win the game. So he just stopped and recovered and got a fingertip on the ball and and saved the game. Now, that was an amazing play. Shout out to Daniel Tice for recognizing this and, and making that play. After that play, Marcus Smart got tangled up, let's say, in Trey Young. I totally believe that Marcus Smart was trying to step over Trey Young. And or he was trying to, I don't know, send a message or something. Because Marcus Smart had had a frustrating game the entire night and was really upset with the officials and was up in the officials' faces throughout the whole game. He took a le- he took an elbow from Trey Young, which admittedly that was that should have been an offensive foul on Young. And I don't think Smart could ever let that go. So I think Smart tried to do something there at the end. And they didn't call anything uh, other than technical fouls on him. And uh, I forget who else stepped in. They called a personal foul on Trey Young. Marcus was trying to do something. And that was one of the moments where I said it earlier in the game. I told, I turned around to Tom and I said, this is going to be one of those games where smart has a dust up with somebody. You could see it coming. He was frustrated the whole time. It was just, he had, you can tell the emotions weren't right with Marcus smart. And that's how it manifested itself. I guess no harm, no foul. Well, there was a foul. I guess no harm. Uh, afterwards, Trey Young said that his teammates were all telling him something or other with that play. I wouldn't be surprised if in Atlanta, Smart is kind of welcomed by one of the Hawks. They've had issues before. Remember a year or two ago, Smart got into it with Bembry. Like for some reason, the Celtics and Marcus Smart in Atlanta, it's just a little dicey. I don't know why he doesn't like the Hawks, but just keep an eye on that next Atlanta game. When is that next Atlanta game ever? Anyway, I thought they played later on in January, but apparently they don't. They must, they play in February uh, on the third in Atlanta on a Monday, and then on that seventh at home that same week on Friday. So next month, just keep that in the back of our heads for what happens next month. And hopefully Marcus against Washington is a little bit more composed because again, no Kemba, possibly no Romeo Langford because the plague is running through the Celtics locker room. I feel better, which is good. And I feel good enough to keep doing this podcast on a daily basis. I had to take one, one podcast off last week because of it, but we're here. We're going to do it Monday through Friday 
free and daily. You don't have to download any special app to do it. You can just subscribe to this podcast wherever and you can get this delivered to your phone, to your device, to wherever. You can always ask your smart device to play podcast Locked On Celtics as well. Uh, again, Monday through Friday, free and daily. It's going to be there for you. By the way, check out our our partner podcast, Locked On Patriots, Locked On Bruins. And if you are a fan of other teams, there's probably a Locked On NFL, Lock, Locked On NHL podcast. There's Locked On College. There's all that stuff. And, of course, Locked On NBA, which is Monday through Friday, and I do the Wednesday show. Regular listeners, please give me that five-star rating. Please give me that five-star review and a good written review. And share the podcast. Tell everybody to listen to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd, host of the Lockdown Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.